0: The Transmission, episode 53, February 21st, 2009.
1: Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And
2: I'm Ryan. And we are here uh, on a Friday, no less, because you get to go camping tomorrow. Yeah, we. (laughs) To discuss the latest episode of Lost 316. So here's how we're going to break it down.
1: We'll recap the episode in eight minutes or less.
2: Then we're going to give our thoughts and theories as we examine it in greater detail.
1: We'll hear from you all, everybody, in our feedback segment.
2: Absolutely. And then we'll step into the forward. Cabin to talk about what's coming up next and later on Lost. So, you ready to go?
1: Let's get lost.
2: Alright, so this is the sixth episode of season five. It's 316, and it's all one continuous story with the Oceanic Six, so let's get going.
1: We get the signature close-up on the eye. Mm -hmm. It's Jack on his back in a big bamboo forest, just like in the pilot. He's holding a torn piece of paper that reads, I wish. He gets up and hears Hurley yelling for help at the bottom of a waterfall. He jumps in and helps him into shallow water.
2: Jack spots Kate on some nearby rocks, and she's unconscious. Jack goes to her and wakes her up. Jack tells her, we're back, and she asks, what happened? And we flash back to forty-six hours earlier to the meeting in the church with Mrs. Hawking.
1: Mrs. Hawking leads them down to the lamp post an off-island Dharma Station, filled with computers and equipment and a huge swinging pendulum. Mrs. Hawking explains it's built over one of many pockets of magnetic energy, and it is how they found the island.
2: She says the island is always moving, so a very clever fellow used the pendulum to find where it was going to be. It it shows windows that, while they're open, provide a route back to the island and their window closes in 36 hours.
1: Desmond is amazed that they're talking about going back. He says he's just there to deliver a message. Everyone back on the island needs Mrs. Faraday's help. Just her help. Not Ben's, not son's, not Jack's. Then he turns to leave.
2: Mrs. Hawking tells Desmond that the island's not done with him. He tells everyone that Mrs. Hawking took four years of his life by telling him that he was supposed to be there, that it was his purpose. He says that they should ignore anything mrs hawking says
1: desmond storms out and mrs hawking hands jack a list of flights going through their window including ajira airways 316 en route to guam she says that they need to be on the plane and they need to recreate the circumstances of oceanic flight 815
2: mm, well jack asks, what happens if they can't get everyone to come with them and mrs hawking says that the results will be unpredictable. She then takes Jack aside and gives him John Locke's suicide note. Jack's surprised to hear that he killed himself.
1: Mrs. Hawking says that Locke is going to help them get back by being a proxy or a substitute for Jack's father, and he tells Jack to give him something that belonged to his father. Jack tells her it's ridiculous, but Mrs. Hawking says it's a leap of faith.
2: Outside, Ben tells the story of Thomas the Apostle. Thomas refused to acknowledge Jesus' resurrection, he says, and needed to touch his wound. To be convinced He tells Jack We're all convinced Sooner or later He then says he has a promise to keep and leaves to tie up some loose ends.
1: Jack gets a call that his grandfather, Ray, tried to escape from his care home. He goes to him and helps him unpack. Ray says he's going to get away someday and no one will find him. Jack finds a pair of shoes belonging to Christian and asks to take them.
2: He gets home, and while he's in the kitchen, hears someone else come in, and it's Kate lying on his bed. She says she's going with Jack back to the island. Jack asks where Aaron is, but but Kate says if he wants her to go with him, he'll never ask about Aaron again. He agrees, and they kiss.
1: The next morning, Kate tells Jack he should bring hiking boots instead of the old shoes. Jack tells the story of how he put old tennis shoes on his dad's feet because he didn't want to spend the time and money to get a good pair of shoes for Christian.
2: Jack gets a call from Ben, who's frantic and bloody on up here. Ben says he's been sidetracked and tells Jack that he has to go and get Locke's body. Jack goes to Jill at Simon's Butcher Shop and puts his father's shoes on Locke's feet.
1: He says to Locke, wherever you are, John, you must be laughing your ass off. This is even crazier than you are. And he puts the Suicide letter in John's coat saying he's heard everything he has to say.
2: At the airport, a familiar scene when Jack explains why he's transporting Bentham to Guam to the Ajira Airlines agent. At the security line, he meets Sun, and Sun says that if there's a chance Jin is alive, she has to be on the plane. Then they both notice Saeed being taken to the gate of the plane in handcuffs
1: At the gate, Hurley tells the gate agent That nobody can fly standby Because he bought all the seats Jack is surprised to see him And asks why what he's doing there Hurley only says that what matters Is that he is there
2: So they board the plane And Ben runs up and boards as well Hurley freaks out and says Ben can't come And Ben tells uh, asks Hurley Who told him he should come And well, Hurley backs down And a flight attendant hands Jack Locks suicide note
1: Jack asks Ben what will happen to the other people on the plane. Ben says, who cares? (laughs) After takeoff, Jack goes to Kate and says it's crazy that Hurley and Saeed are there.
2: Jack asks Kate, you don't think it means something that we're all back together? And Kate replies, we're on the same plane, but that doesn't make us together. Just then, the captain comes on the intercom, and it's Frank Lapidus.
1: Jack at Asks the um, flight attendant to see him and he comes out and he's all clean shaven and good looking. Mm-hmm. Frank asks why Jack is going to Guam, but then he notices Saeed, Hurley, Kate, and son aboard. He says, We're not going to Guam, are we?
2: Later, Jack asks Ben if he knew that Locke killed himself, and Ben says he didn't. Jack pulls out Locke's suicide note and says, I've been trying to get rid of it, but it's following me like John needs me to read it.
1: Ben asks if Jack's afraid Locke blames him for what happened. Jack asks Ben if it was his fault. Ben says, no, it wasn't, and he walks away. Jack opens a letter and it reads, I wish you'd believed.
2: The plane starts to rattle and shake, alarms sound, the plane lurches and luggage and people are tossed about and then the big white flash. Next thing you know, they're on the island as we saw them before.
1: Kate asks where the plane is and if it's just the three of them. Nobody can remember the actual crash and they can't find Sun or Saeed or Ben. They're about to go look for them when they hear an engine pull up.
2: Yep, a shiny blue Dharma van pulls up and a man gets out and points a gun at them. Turns out it's Jin and he's wearing a Dharma uniform.
1: And, and thud.
2: And that's three sixteen in under eight minutes. And when we come back, we'll take a look at the episode in greater detail. So, Jen, uh, episode 6 of season 5, 316, what'd you think?
1: I thought it was a really, really weird, surreal, dreamlike episode. I don't know what to make of it still. I can't say I didn't like it, but it had a certain quality that I can't quite describe. Like... From the whole time that Jack goes to see his grandfather till when Kate shows up at his place. I thought that was a dream. I thought we were going to find out he was dreaming that.
2: I I definitely picked up on just sort of a more darker, eerie tone. Giacchino's score was very present in this episode and was always just foreboding strings almost the whole way through. It was like uh, keeping you at a certain level of tension or unease all the way throughout. It was definitely a slower pace, though. I mean, we've been talking the last couple of episodes. It's been so fast, covering so much ground that it didn't get very deep. I think this episode definitely slammed on the brakes, for better or worse, and kind of made us uh, pay attention to things, uh, question things we're seeing, and, and kind of wait for things, you know, keeping you on edge the whole way through. And I gotta say, um, it really grabs you. And, and you can could say it was manipulative in the sense that it's a direct mimic of the pilot episode. Right. It's that very first scene: Jack on his back, waking up, eye opens, running off to save people. And, you know, it, it's a little manipulative, but it, it was effective. And it also, I think it changes our theory about how the entire series is going to yeah, end. Yeah,
1: I don't see him waking up in the jungle again. Yeah,
2: not for a third time. In, in, yeah. in many ways, you know, like just how we discovered them getting off the island in season three made us rewrite the rest of the series in our heads because that wasn't the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what the end of the show is because they've done this. But, uh, you know, just like seeing the light coming out of the hatch, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that mimics or... Gives you back the mood and feeling of season one. I, I, I like that they're doing that at the same time they're giving us answers because you're, you're feeling this whole arc in your head or you, you can you can feel the ending of the series. You still and we still don't know what's out there, but we can feel it coming. It's tangible. Yeah. And specifically the thing about uh, Jack now explaining why Christian Shepherd in his suit in the coffin was wearing tennis shoes. I thought yeah, that was, that was really a v- nice. very
1: good explanation. And yeah. I thought it was really true to Jack's character. Mm hmm. And, you know, the, the shoes thing has been ongoing for a long time now. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you have Locke taking off his shoes before he gets in the swan. Um, Dave throwing a slipper at right. Hurley. There's... Well, the
2: first thing Jack sees in the pilot is a, ch- a shoe That's in right. the tree. That's Kate right. steals shoes from uh, a body in the very first episode, you know. Um, and frankly, there's, there's a, lot. a son's mom picks on her about that's right she has a thing about shoes so uh there's a lot of of shoe imagery i found a list on the web with like 50 shoe points for lost i guess if you're a foot fetishist you should be be watching lost too and i know we have a good comment on that in the forward cabin as well since i have to give up the theory that it's just going to be one loop and that now i don't know where the rest of the series is going i'm kind of moving toward the people who are big on the shepherd family. That's that, right. You know that that's what Lost is actually going to be about, especially now that we've met Ray. Right. Now, Ray, great actor because he's immediately creepy. And he hasn't done anything creepy. it's just the look on his face, the way he speaks, it, you just get the sense that he's connected somehow.
1: And he looks exactly like John Terry.
2: Right, right, Good casting, good casting, But his line where he says, "One of these days I'm going to get away, and when I get away, they're never going to find me." At the same time, Jack is talking about, "I'm going to go away. you know I'm going to leave." And it, it seems too obvious that, that there's something there. And if you've got Christian Shepherd on the island, you've got Jack on the island, you've got Claire on the island. You've got got Aaron on the island. You have a whole multi-generational family here from the Shepherds. Why not have it move one generation up to, to Ray? So now I think if uh, if I start thinking about the show, I think it's going to come all down to the Shepherds or Jack to some extent. Yeah, so we'll see how that turns exactly.
1: out. Exactly. It seemed like the big um, theme of this week was faith and oh, the lack of faith like from Ben's whole conversation with Jack about doubting Thomas. Mm-hmm. And um, the note Lock, you know. I wish you believed. Right. And of
2: course, um, you know, Mrs. Hawking's conversation where uh, Jack doing what I think many of us are doing, which is, how is this going to, this is utterly ridiculous. And Mrs. Hawking basically says, you got to go with it. You got to believe it. You know, you have to ask yourself and make the leap of faith. And uh, they were certainly not subtle about that theme at all. But I kind of like it because it is. What it is. It's Locke, the man of faith, and Jack, the man of science. And what we see in this episode is that turn. We see the switch, we see the light, where he's putting shoes on Locke, and he's realizing that he's on Locke's side now, Uh after everything that's happened, that, well, you know, I guess you got me. Here I am, I believe. So I thought, you know, that wasn't that wasn't bad. Certainly, uh, there's we've talked in the last episode about how Christian themes are coming back, and there's a lot of discussion on our blog about that, how yeah. that's actually troubling to some people. I, I'm not sure if I, I find it troubling. It's it's always been there. No, and,
1: and I mean, there there have been shout-outs to lots of different mythologies. Right. And... There's
2: been There's Buddhism elements. There's there's other... I mean, basically, it's faith. It's yeah. not necessarily Christianity, but frankly, if the show's going to give you something that you can uh, connect to, or you can sort of find find uh, uh, metaphors for it, then Christianity is, is just as good as anything else and frankly you have the narnia thing the the lamppost Uh which i was really intrigued by the name of the station is the lamppost which is of course the name of a landmark in the narnia novels which i haven't read but i but after uh the, the Narnia Chronicles came up in past seasons, I definitely read up on a lot of these stories, and the parallels are, are getting pretty strong.
1: Yeah, I would agree, too.
2: I mean, it's also it, that's also a Christian allegory. But what specifically stuck out to me was um, the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And in that story, there's a, a boy, his name is Edmund, and he is tasked by a, uh, by a witch to bring the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve back to the wardrobe so that he, they can fulfill a prophecy. So oh. not only is that part of the story, which sounds like getting the oceanic six to come back but there's a specific frustration because edmund fails in his mission to bring back all of his brothers and sisters like he did not bring the right people back and so things there's some tension there so you know some of the parallels were were really really strong to me
1: so speaking of recalling the first season we have everybody getting on the plane that's supposed to get on the plane, but they're not getting on as themselves. They're getting on as each other. I
2: really like that. I mean, certainly I really enjoyed the musical montage as Jack is walking on the plane and he looks at everybody in their seats, and that's, you know, shot for shot, probably yeah. a, an invocation of that. Uh, I think that was in the pilot where we, we mm-hmm. see that as well. So that's, the pilot would be the companion episode for this one, but uh, specifically that they're in different roles. You know, you, instead of Kate being in handcuffs being brought on by the marshal, right? and instead of uh, with his uh, with his guitar it's hurley Hurley. and uh, it's it's kind of neat although it does make you think of all of the other people that are not on the plane well
1: right you don't have a squabbling brother and sister duo and we don't have a angry cop from la Right, we
2: don't have a priest or a fake priest from africa so there's a lot of a lot of missing pieces although um one missing piece that really stood out was a pregnant woman Mm -hmm. so that immediately got me to thinking There could be a pregnant woman on this plane, because what did we just see?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, Kate goes to Jax. In
2: a a very strange state of mind, in a kind of possessed and uh, dark and somber way, something horrible has happened with Aaron, but uh, she also feels that it's a good time to get it on. So,
1: yeah, that I mean, that whole scene made the, the the hairs on the back of my neck stand up because she's clearly grieving and there's something really wrong with her. And, and it, the whole thing goes down in a very strange way. Right.
2: So I think there could be a pregnant woman on the plane. I really like that possibility. But there, uh, there were certainly they did not certainly recreate everything and the plane was not that empty, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know. The, on one hand, they say you need to get everyone to come back, but not everyone is coming back. It's the Oceanic Five, it's not the Oceanic Six, right? And this you have to you have to re- recreate the conditions to get it to go well. But they, I would say, they've got maybe thirty percent of the way there. And frankly, if that was a mathematical equation to get me back to a the similar destination as Eight Fifteen, I would have failed miserably with that <laughs> with that quant. But you know, uh, just like Jack saying this is ridiculous, just like Faraday saying, you know, when he talks about getting them all to come back as a way to stop all of this, that's where we leave side behind. Well, I think we're going to have to do that. I think that we're going to have to be with Jack and take the leap of faith and see where it leads us
1: so why did kate change her mind do you think
2: um good question i think that something like i said something horrible must have happened to aaron aaron is you know as one-dimensional as our friend kate is the only thing that she has any specific attachment to so the only way the only thing that would upset her is something happening to aaron or she had to give up aaron um she says that he can't ask about him again i'm presuming that you know she didn't ground him in a tub. She must have given Aaron to somebody. So where do you think Aaron is?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I know that sooner or later we're going to get back to Cassidy.
2: Right. I think that's more likely. The The first thought is that it's going to be uh, uh, Claire's mom. Right. But if Jack met Claire's mom and Jack was a, and, had, and her had a very good benevolent kind conversation um, Claire's mom doesn't know anything about Aaron but probably is asking questions and I think that if I, Kate, gave the boy to his actual grandmother that would be a good thing that would be the first thing i would say to jack but she doesn't look at ease.
1: she she doesn't look happy about what she's done no so.
2: and it would be something apparently that jack isn't prepared to hear and the only other time we've seen kate getting real you know cautious with jack is when he won't tell him that she was doing a favor to sawyer so that's right. i think it all connects that's pretty much my guess
1: and then and saeed i mean he looks completely different and his hair is shorter and he's in custody.
2: Right. That's curious. I mean, something <laughs> the 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 clear uh, intent of this episode is to have skipped a lot of stuff so that we can come back and visit it, which is a little cheesy, but on the other hand, it what what it puts into my head is that okay, so we're seeing them go to the island and they're going to be on the island. Guess what? That means we're going to have the Oceanic 6 on the island having Flashbacks to what happened before they get on the plane, and what does that sound like? That sounds like season one and so season two. Yeah, I'm willing. I'm willing to, to to go with it to this point. But how did how does that work? Why would Saeed be uh, extradited how, to Guam? Did he kill someone in Guam? Well, actually, the plane's stopping in Honolulu. Maybe there's a crime in Honolulu that he needs to account for. Maybe our good old <laughs> our good old justice system here is calling Saeed Jarrah back for one of his uh, international killings.
1: And then, I mean, there's Hurley. What what happened? How did Hurley get there? What I mean, he clearly was
2: he was incarcerated. He was in jail. So well, but it was also said that he's going to get out. No problem. What changes his mind and has him not, you know, be as scared as he is and show up at the airport? I think the fairest guess there is Charlie. Charlie's visited him before. Charlie uh, has pointed him on the path. Charlie says in the conversation in his last appearance that, you know, they need you. Right. Right. He covers his head and he says, I don't want to hear it. Maybe he got the message finally, and that would explain the the guitar case. so I would say, I don't think Hurley is not just carrying a guitar. I think Hurley is carrying Charlie's guitar. I think that they that he picked up an actual instrument that Charlie used to bring
1: but of course, the stunner of the night you seeing Ben in that in that beat up horribly mangled condition
2: (laughs) oh absolutely um and once again the piece that we're going to have to wait for the answer to but we can certainly theorize when he leaves jack and he says i've made a promise i need to tie up some loose ends that's obviously i'm going off to you know whack penny (laughs) (laughs) he just saw desmond he knows desmond is with or does he know what desmond is with penny i'm going to assume that he knows that desmond is with penny and that 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 makes a connection that he knows that he can now complete his his promise to uh, Whitmore because Penny's probably in L.A. and and they they, they showed him on a dock and. Desmond and Penny were on a boat. So that's right. The question is, is he all bloody because uh, it was a particularly horrid and gruesome death, or is he bloody because it didn't work out? He didn't get his, Didn't finish the job.
1: Well, he said he got sidetracked, so I'm guessing it was the latter.
2: Well, I, well for Penny's sake, I certainly hope that's true. Um, Christy in Texas on our blog uh, made a good point that maybe he was in the process of carrying out this hit when he comes across little baby Charlie, and that would certainly uh, probably stun him. You know, yeah. That would probably be what shakes him to the core that, uh-oh, there was actually a baby... Um, in this family so that's an interesting thought Um, but I I didn't think that was the stunner of the night I thought the stunner of the night was Ben getting on the plane that's true what is he doing on the plane
1: I don't know he can't go back correct he said he can't go back
2: he yeah. says the whole, pr- the whole problem with turning the frozen donkey wheel is once you do it, you can't go back. And there he is, getting on the plane. So Well,
1: his lips were moving, which means he was lying. So.
2: <laughs> well, also, you know, it is notable that uh, Ben and uh, Sun and uh, and Lapidus, for example, did not show up uh, visibly, at least, on the island so far. So they could be somewhere else, or they could not have made it onto the island. So we're not even sure if men made it. Ben made it back to the island, but clearly he's making an attempt at it. And we had an extensive discussion uh, in previous weeks about how it is clear that uh, Ben is stepping in to do everything Locke is supposed to do. So clearly, yeah. you know, that could be what's going on here. He is once again attempting to usurp a role that Locke is supposed to play. Even though Locke's body is on the plane, he's going back too, and he's not going to let Locke, you know, run amok by himself. He's, he's, he's got a plan still.
1: You mentioned Lepidus. That was oh, great.
2: Fat, yeah, how the fantastic reveal! Certainly of of the surprises in this episode, that was not one that I, I mean, when you go back and you think about it, it was obvious. I don't know why it didn't occur to me, but for that, when that voiceover comes, it it you know it goes off in my head the same way it does for Jack, and I thought that was a really well done, um, really well done move.
1: But I love the ending most of all.
2: Yes, uh, Jin. So I mean, I you get two pieces of information with that. You know, one that they're not on the island in 2004, or they're not on the island in 2007. They're on the island way back when the Dharma vans were shiny and blue. And also... Jin's been in the Dharma Initiative long enough to be an employee.
1: Which, which means, I mean, he's obviously learned a little something.
2: I absolutely like, I, you know, we just, had a, we just learned that the uh, others have a mandatory Latin class. Yeah. I think that if, uh, if a recruit showed up at the Dharma Initiative and couldn't speak English, they'd probably help him out a little and in, 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 enroll him in others ESL. You know, English as a second language, um, it would be a great relief for me, on behalf of Daniel Dae Kim, if <laughs> if if in the next episode or the next time we see th- these scenes, he basically speaks fluent English because he can't spend the whole series like that. It's it's it, it you know, he he needs to break out. So he does. I think that this is the best way, just like how flashing forward was the best way to show us what happens to Walt, even though he grew. I think giving uh, Daniel Dae Kim an extended period of time in a academic like environment is a good way to get him out of the language issue.
1: Absolutely. So, good
2: stuff. So any other uh, things stand out for you?
1: Well, I like the scene where Hurley buys 87 seats. <laughs> that, that was great.
2: That's so Hurley. You know, he always thinking about innocent bystanders, although you got to say Hurley probably has also been the cause of the demise of a number of innocent bystanders. So <laughs> he's being extra cautious. What I liked about that, I mean, you talk about recreating the situation of the original flight in, uh, I think it was Exodus, um, when we show Hurley getting on the plane in the very first place, he had to buy two seats. A man of your size needs to buy oh, two seats. Oh, I didn't seats. remember right. that. Right. So... He's buying more than one seat, although he's buying a lot more seats. But uh, there were a couple of other extra people on this airplane, and it kind of makes me a little worried that we've got a Nikki and Paulo situation
1: Oh, no, they wouldn't do that to us again. I don't know. I
2: mean, the guy that was in line behind Jack Uh and uh, who says, I offer my condolences on the person who Hurley says, you know, fasten your seatbelt, that guy is not going to be just nobody. Clearly, he's going to be somebody. And you have uh, the marshal or whoever it is that has uh, Hurley in handcuffs. I think that's that's going to be There's another There's our female isn't.
1: cop. Hey,
2: what was her? Oh, yeah, instead of Ana Lucia. Very good catch. So, well, I guess that's another connection. But uh, we also have a couple of flight attendants as well. And, of course, if you want to make connections, we have a flight attendant that's still kind that's of right, unspoken Cindy. for. And mysterious. The mysterious Cindy from 815. So one or more of uh, the flight attendants of this flight might make it. But they might also just be red shirts to kill off later. We
1: so. need more red shirts. Yeah. We're running uh, out.
2: We need to... We <laughs> we definitely are i'd say the number is certainly certainly dwindling anything else that you caught
1: well the the way that kate is laying down on jack's bed and the and the way that he finds her on the rocks it's very similar Oh,
2: with her arm above her head, and she's and you think that you don't know what it is. It's you know if she's dead or unconscious, but she's sort of in a sleeping state. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 true. I wonder if that you know again if you're saying that much of this episode could be a dream. That would be one of the clues. I certainly hope that's not the case. I kind of like that conversation because they say you know I don't remember the crash. I don't remember actually coming down to the ground i just remember the plane hitting turbulence and Uh a while back i think back in season three or so um people were talking because the only person who says they remembered the crash in the original crash was kate kate says you know jack says he doesn't remember anything and kate says she remembers the crash and they pointed out that nobody else has ever talked about the transition between the plane breaking up in the sky and then being on the ground and uh one of the clear issues that we're going to hopefully have explained after this episode is that what the white flash does i mean clearly it can move you um you know Mm -hmm. to to and from places so there was some kind of a transportation effect Uh, hopefully that definitely gets explained because yes there's no plane but that that's a good caught that's a good catch about her posture i liked when um uh, Jin drove up, there's a weird song playing. It sounds a little good, kind of good old uh, disco whatever from the 70s. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, that's a Geronimo Jackson is hit it? single.
1: I was looking up the lyrics and I couldn't find anything. So <laughs> I, do you think they they wrote a song specifically for the episode? I am certain
2: that uh, Geronimo Jackson, if not just as background music, will factor. And I, I think that's a good way to introduce it. Because uh, yeah, I don't think that's an actual song. The only reason why that was we were given a snippet of that is to introduce us to the the genius of that band. Um, I also noticed the milk that, you know, Jack makes, you know. Yeah, that was
1: really strange because everything in the in the shot is very clear and nice looking, except for the milk carton. It's like blurred out.
2: Well, because it was a Meadow Gold <laughs> milk carton. I thought that it was just a brand here in Hawaii. And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of cute. They're showing Meadow Gold, a Hawaii brand here. But actually I looked and then you go to the website and actually Meadow Gold is all over, like the Midwest, the Southwest, about 10 or 11 different states. But metal gold is not available in California, so how, how it ends up on their table in L.A. I don't. I have no idea. Any favorite lines or uh, snippets?
1: Well, Frank's. Um, we're not going to Guam, are we? Yeah, kind we of.
2: definitely can't uh, can't miss that. Uh, there's, uh, I, you know, Ben has a couple of really good ones. One when Jack is fresh, you know, kind of amazed that he's reading a book on this plane, and he goes, "How can you read?" And he says, "My mother taught me," which That's is a
1: so- lie. His mother didn't teach him to read.
2: Because she's dead. That's (laughs) true. That's true. That's kind of cool. So that's, I didn't even, I hadn't picked up on that. And then uh, the, you remember when Ben, when somebody tells Ben in the orchid, you just killed everyone on that boat. Yeah. And he goes, so you get the exact same thing here Uh when Jack asks what happens to everybody on this plane. He goes, who cares? You know, he can be so cold, but that's why we love him. (laughs) <laughs> it's absolutely why we love them. Well, we've got some uh, locations, of course. Uh, Simon's Butcher Shop. By the way, Simon, Simon Pace, anybody think, you know, another shout out to Charlie Of there? course. I think possibly. Anyway, Simon's Butcher Shop was, in fact, a real butcher shop on uh, uh, in Kalihi. It's called A'ala Meat Market. So that was kind of cool. Um, the, the care home that Jack's dad, Ray, or granddad, Ray, is in is actually the Arcadia Care Home, which is on Punahou, right a block away from our church. Oh, really? So, uh, in fact, a good friend of mine's mom is in that facility and was in that scene i'm not sure who she was but um, it was quite a thrill for the residents there to have a magic show <laughs> and to have all of these hollywood stars and cameras hanging around and uh, the last one would be of course the church uh this the where the, the lamppost is obviously the lamppost that's a fantastic set it's wonderful beautiful. set piece um but that's not you know that's on the film studio lot but the interior of the church and the exterior of church was a uh, sacred heart or Sacred Hearts in uh, Kaiman Keys. Right. So there you go, little bits of Honolulu playing, very, various bits of Los Angeles. And uh, I guess that's it for our Two Cents on uh, 316.
1: We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from you all, everybody.
3: Lion and Gin. What an episode last night. What is up? That has to be my favorite all-time episode to date. And there's been a lot of episodes which I thought were my favorites, including, you know, obviously the constant. But last night was just such fast and furious coming at us. Great storytelling. When Frank Lapidus comes out, which was totally unexpected, but you wanted it to happen. You wanted to believe that they had a master plan going here. When he says, we're not going to Guam, are we? I was just beside myself with such glee. I mean, it was such a great moment. I think that this is the indication of what's left for us. The next episode and the rest of the season, we are going to be one truly happy campers. Thank you so much. Keep on listening.
2: We kick off, you all, everybody, with a great call there from uh, Anonymous. I think that was Mario from Houston. Sounds like him. When you uh,
1: call in, please be sure to let us know who you are and where you're from.
2: (laughs) Nicely done. Exactly. But uh, still, we're all happy campers, he says. But uh, best episode, better than The Constant? What do you think?
1: Not better than The Constant, no.
2: Well, where would you put it in season five out of all the episodes we've seen so far?
1: Honestly, the the bottom oh. just because it feels incomplete, and I feel like there's going to be more explaining what happened in this episode. Right,
2: I think it's definitely it was setting us up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I might agree. I think it's my least episode of season least favorite episode of season five. But as far as like any other series low point so far, this is the highest low point. I mean, I I did like it. I just I liked it too. I don't know if I would I loved it. I just like the change in tone, uh, the 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 shout outs to season one and the and you know it's kind of a different pace for this episode. Mm-hmm.
1: So we have three calls from Sarah, Andrew, and Sobeka. Hey, Ryan and Jen,
4: this is Sarah from Minnesota. Long-time listener to your podcast. Love it. First-time caller. Um, Just watched the new episode last night, and wow, the 06 is back. What's going to happen next? I'm reeling to find out what's going to happen next and where Kate stashed Aaron. Is he with Claire's mom? Is that what? kate did with him that's my only logical explanation but as we all know logic sometimes doesn't play a role and what is ben doing another good question what is he up to you never know with him he's kind of a creepy little fella
5: hey ryan and jen this is andrew from wisconsin i'm uh i just recently started listening to the podcast and i really like it and so now i'm a first time caller um, I had an interesting theory about it. Well, first of all, the show. I really like this episode. It, there was something about it that I found very interesting, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I don't know. I just, there was something about it. Um, now, my theory, I like how they described the windows and how they and, um, explained to us how that happened, how the windows work and everything. So I was thinking that someone for Flight 815 had figured out that Everybody, everybody, honestly, she was passing over the island during one of those windows, and for some reason they wanted them to be on that island. So perhaps that's how someone, someone had wanted them to be on there, and they had used one of those windows to get them there. So I don't know, a little weird theory about that, but um, yeah, I don't think it'll work. But okay, well, thanks. Bye.
6: Hi, this is Sobeka from Boston. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller, but I felt the need to share my comments um, after this recent episode, 316. I really didn't like it. I really didn't. I love this show. I've stuck with it from the beginning, and this season has been so good. The first few episodes were just answering questions, moving on with storylines, and I don't know, this episode stalled for me. It was a convenient plot point. He'd spent the last couple of episodes with the Oceanic Six, you know, putting them in different places, Hurley in jail. Saeed left them um, and said he didn't want to have anything to do with anything. And yet, all of a sudden, (laughs) convenient plot points, Deus Ex Machina actually taking a lost title. That's what it felt like. Oh, wait, everyone. Okay, we'll make it happen. It seems like there will be some sort of companion episode because of the things that we didn't see and how much of it was unexplained. But um, maybe things will be better done. But I really didn't, really, really didn't like this episode um, on a standalone basis. Uh, Lapetus that was a really pleasant surprise. Uh, and that was one of the few little bits that felt genuine. The ending with Jin and Dharma, that, that made it. And it was good to see that we don't have to stall and wait for the Oceanic Six to return. But thank you guys so much for the podcast. It makes my week waiting for it. Um, and thanks
2: guys Bye. thanks for those calls uh, three first timers here on the transmission yes thank we you for calling that. in uh, Sarah um, where did Kate stash Aaron I well
1: think... my guess is with with, with Cassidy That's but Claire's well... mom is just as good a guess well Claire's mom is too
2: logical for this show and it would be <laughs> something that Jack would have been okay to hear um, Ben is a creepy fella. yeah, yeah no disagreement there um, Andrew uh, making a likely observation that the process that we just observed with flight 316 certain people getting on the plane to pass over and get end up on the island, that's probably what was going on with 8.15. Yeah, that's
1: a reasonable assumption. I exception. mean, things, since
2: season one, we're saying, you know, and Locke is saying, maybe we're here for a reason. Um, we've seen things kind of come together and end up uh, bringing people together that we wouldn't think would be together. So uh, whether the entire series will explain what set that first set of events into motion has yet to be seen, but now that we're exploring the history of the island, I say that's quite maybe a strong will. possibility. Yeah. And finally, uh, Sobeka saying, you know, this episode actually hit a sour note for her. It was a great season so far, and then suddenly for her, this episode was episode was a pothole.
1: Well, like I said, I think we're going to find out the way things happen in this episode later on and it's all going to I mean, they've done this so many times right. we, We're kind of scratching our heads wondering Why all this is happening and why it seems So strange, and then they, they tell us Later, and it makes perfect sense Right,
2: I mean, obviously they're setting it up and they were Not, you know, they are not subtle about it, and I think that might have Been what frustrated a lot of folks. Our friend Ian In Las Vegas took the episode at pure face value and, and was frustrated that they just sort of Ended up there. He said, okay, I think Lost is starting To jump the shark okay,
1: here. Okay, I and... hate The phrase, <laughs> jump The shark. Uh,
2: I agree with you all And in fact, the best part about that is that Lost has already jumped the shark. Lost jumped the shark in season two, so what, what is he complaining about now?
1: What do you mean, jump the shark?
2: Sawyer! Sawyer jumped the shark <laughs> when there was a shark <laughs> in the water, right. and they're swimming to the raft after it blows up. <laughs> he jumps over, they see a shark, he jumps That's over the shark. Right. They jumped right. the shark. So, sorry, Ian, if you think it's happened now, you're way, way too late. But in any case, um, it's, I, I like that. that, you know, we have people saying that this was their best episode ever, and we've got people saying that this was the worst episode, so I think that kind of in a way makes it a good episode because we can talk well, about
1: it. I mean, it. it's great that we still have episodes that are so polarizing. Right,
2: absolutely. Now we've got more calls. Alex in Boston and uh, Anonymous.
7: Hey, guys, it's Alex in Boston. Um, I have a few concerns after 316. I think the issue boils down to uh, mythology versus character and the balance between the two as the series starts to close out. Um, I don't think there's enough time, really, to get all the mythology stuff done uh, if they're going to continue to Kind of focus on character stuff, which they haven 't done too much this season, but certainly this episode, which I found very slow and kind of sentimental, um, really did focus on that to the expense I felt of the mythology. Um, my other concern is that they 're apparently going to add more characters, uh, judging by the group on the plane. There seem to be some more folks that they're going to add. And, you know, my concern with the character issue in the series all along has been that they've added in so many new characters that the show has gotten pretty cluttered. And uh, I love the show. I love the mythology. But for me, um, the show is not going to be remembered for the character development, which I really don't think has been uh, objectively that strong. Um, so, as usual, probably a dissenting note or two. But I appreciate your guys taking the call. Thank Thanks a lot.
0: Hello, Transmission Podcast. It's about 1.47 in the AM Canadian time. And the first thing I want to say is for all those naysayers, for all those people who hated the Oceanic Six storyline, I've got to say this is your I told you so moment right here. Kate-centric storylines and Jack-centric storylines all the way back to season one are ultimately going to be what makes this show great in season six and everyone's losing that everyone's thinking oh well we want more of the smoke monster we want more of the um you know the mysteries of island you know temple yada 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 you got to understand that the emotional aspect of the show i.e jack-centric kate-centric sawyer-centric off-island episodes had everything to do with how this story is going to evolve in the later seasons like everything i thought that was going to happen with this show is happening in this episode. And I love it. I love the, the K-centric. I love the Jack-centric episodes. And I think his grandfather was on the island before. His father was on the island before. And all these people we're seeing now are the, are the first generation of people breaking the lineage of, of how this island's timeline is going. The, all these people are breaking that timeline. And we're going to see a completely new, non-predictable element of the storyline that we haven't, You know, we're seeing the first-hand accounts of each of these characters.
2: Mahalo for those calls and uh, talk about polarizing opinions. You've got Alex saying, hey, you know, they really got to get to these mysteries. We're running out of time to sort all of this out and character development really isn't a strength of this show. They should stop wasting their time on that stuff. And of course uh, Anonymous staying up late in Canada saying, aha, this episode shows you all, Jack and Kate, their stories, their histories, these people, these characters histories are what the show is all about and why it rocks. So what do you think?
1: I've been more of a fan of other characters episodes I t- for me Jack and Kate episodes both kind of slow down the pace a little bit for, for me I know a lot of people like Jack and Kate but I've been more invested in some of the other characters, like Juliet and Sawyer and and Daniel. You know, I'm really interested in finding out more about them. But for me, this show really is all about the characters.
2: So I guess to Alex, we would say the famous film spotting line, I hear hear what you're you're saying, saying, but you're you're completely completely wrong. wrong. Well, you know, uh, I'm afraid that they are not going to get to all of the mysteries before the end. We are going to run out of time. There are going to be loose ends that are going to make you pound your head against the pavement. But that's going to be par for the course. Any series with a mythology even one with an end point, even one with a game plan from the beginning will not tie everything up. So if you're starting to, you know, you're, you're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're thinking you're running out of track and we're not going to, I mean, basically, if you've got a checklist, you're going to be unsatisfied. And I right. think the characters are the show. I think the we, characters
1: are absolutely the show. All the things, care about it. Yeah. All the things that we've learned about the character so far, Locke's paralysis, Kate being on the run and how they've evolved since they've been on the island. I don't really know how anybody can say That there's no character development. I
2: I can see, you know, some frustration because we've expressed it ourselves that some characters aren't consistent, that some characters seem to change their stripes more than once, in fact. And, you know, uh, if you basically, as we've said, if you chart Locke's development, it can be a bit much the number of times he's oscillated, for example. But that oscillation, I think, is part of his character as well. It is part of his character. uh, You know, but a fair point. And, uh, hey, we love a good debate.
1: (laughs) So we have two calls from Heath and John.
8: Hey, Ryan and Jen, it's your friend Heath from the Lost Revisited podcast. Uh, really, after rewatching the episode, I really, really enjoy this one. Uh, I think it's real interesting, uh, Jack's conversation with Miss Hawking at the church when it was just the two of them. Uh, giving him Locke's suicide note, um, and she goes, you need to ask yourself whether you believe it's going to work. I really believe that. When Jack reads the note on the plane, when it says, um, I wish you believe, I believe is the line, I believe the flash has happened right after. And Jack, at that point, believed, and with that letter. That's why the letter followed back to him, because Jack needed to read that letter on the flight. And I believe, at that point, him believing was the final piece at why they were able to get back. Wow. Alright guys, keep up the great work. Of course your podcast rocks. And uh Namaste and good luck.
9: Hey Ryan and what's up? is John from North Carolina. Um gotta say I watched the episode twice again today since I've been home and it it's actually grown on me more. It's not my I think it's my still my least favorite of the season, but I like it more than I did last night. Uh, Miss Hawking tried to put a lot of stuff in our heads in this episode. Um, I like that the writers are giving us answers. I think it's cool that they're doing that. But they're just giving us answer after answer after answer. And they're giving us little time to process it all. Um, when she's talking to Jack about the shoes and giving them the lock and everything, she said something like, it, that's why it's called a leap of faith, Jack. And she... As he, um, in season three, there's a scene with Jack and his dad where Christian says the same exact thing and says it the same exact way as Ms. Hawking does. So this leads me to believe that they have a prior relationship, maybe on the island. I don't think it's a romantic relationship. I just think they know each other um, through the island and whatnot. And I can also tell this because when they walk into the church, Ms. Hawking kind of stares at Jack for, like, uh, about five seconds. You can see it um at the beginning of the episode so i think there's definitely uh, something going on with between her and jack's father maybe even jack's
2: grandfather so i'll talk to you later thanks heath and john uh, john by the way who left 10 messages on the lost <laughs> line so uh, there's someone else who needs their own podcast but in any case what do you think about heath's thought about um the moment that jack believes is why they end up on the island
1: I like that because I just remember um, the thing that Ben said to Locke: imagine that there's a big box on the island, and whatever you want is in that box. Right, and and right. I think that when Jack believed the island said, okay, buddy, here you go. Right. Here's if, the island. If
2: there is a wish fulfillment center on the island, and there was a plane flying overhead, the plane was just waiting for Jack to have that epiphany. I, I definitely think that the epiphany happened prob- probably at that point. I mean, the whole journey of this episode is Jack throwing up his hands, basically, and saying, okay, all right, I, this is a leap of faith. I've got to take it. And uh, when he accepts that, that that's right when the, the turbulence starts. So an interesting thought there absolutely might upset some folks, but I definitely like the timing that he points out. And John saying that uh, uh, well, he also agrees that it's not his favorite episode, but he liked it upon second viewing. But uh, the, the the did did Christian Shepherds tell Jack that uh, something was a leap of faith that he had to do?
1: I don't know. I I know that Helen tells Locke that, and right, actually,
2: Helen tells Locke that you have to take a leap of faith in the same episode that Locke tells Jack. That he has to take a leap of faith. So that that was a catchphrase from that episode. I think it was orientation. Um, you know. So clearly, leap of faith is a catchphrase for the show. I'm not sure. Maybe Christian said something about marriage or something in one of their I mean, past, possibly past episodes. But definitely, uh, I, I like that he's saying. You know, we've already, I think, come to the conclusion that Ray may have been or is somehow tied to the island. Yes, absolutely. But uh, he's saying, you know, I think Jack and Mrs. Hawking through that. I think there's a connection there. And I kind of, I also noticed that odd look that uh, Mrs. Hawking gives Jack. You know, she she kind of fixes his gaze on him, and maybe she's noticing a similarity to a handsome man she once knew. (laughs) Maybe. So, neat thought.
1: Now we'll hear from Lori, Kyle, and Jesse. Hi, this is Lori from the far suburbs of Chicago. First of all, season five is just fantastic, and I can't wait to see where else they're going to take us, and how the season's going to finish. I noticed something when I was re-watching the episode. Jack and Ben seemed really curious as to why Hurley was there and how he knew where to be what flight to take and everything and I think that Charlie told him it we know that Hurley and Charlie talk in some weird way and it would also explain the why Hurley has the guitar case Um, so that's my quick thought and I just have to say I love how they brought back Frank I thought that was great Um, Keep up the good work on the podcast. I enjoy listening to you.
8: Hey, guys, this is Kyle in Wisconsin. I had a couple thoughts about the episode 316. Um, It's kind of assumed that Desmond took his boat to L.A. That's kind of how I figured he got there. So what are the odds that he hit the same window sailing from L.A. that they hit on the plane? I'm also wondering about Ben getting beaten up there. I can see him doing something to Aaron, taking him and then confronting Kate, saying you won't get Aaron back unless you go to the island. And then her just whooping his butt. So I don't know. There's always a possibility that Charles Woodmore was involved. That's probably more likely, but those are my thoughts on it. Keep
10: up the good work, guys. Hey there, Ryan and Jen. It's Jesse again. First, the caller or commenter you had last week about Hurley on the radio. That's brilliant. That was amazing. Good find. I got to say, though, Now that they're back in Dharma times, does this mean that stuff Ben said like, oh, I'm not the one who started the purge could mean that it wasn't Jacob or Alpert or whoever we thought it was. Maybe it's the losties. In fact, I'm starting to think the purge was originated by John Locke to protect the island. Just a thought. And finally, my biggest point of the night, all the losties get on the plane. And they all managed to recreate the way it was the first time, bringing different things, or being different roles, or whatever the case may be. And even Lepidus manages to show up. But something was wrong that didn't hit me, And suddenly I heard this voice in my head. Yeah! Ah, there it is. Where's is Walt? Can someone? Can someone tell me? Even Michael still wants to know. Where's Walt? How can they say they're going to bring back the original Losties when they don't even bring back Walt? That's my big problem of the night.
2: Thanks for those calls. So Lori, love in season five and this episode and saying that it was Charlie that told uh, Hurley to come. Yeah, and I could I, see that. We definitely said uh, we think that's the case, but her call made me realize that uh, hey, someone else has been visited by mysterious uh, visions here off the island and that would be Kate. She oh, got yeah. uh, visited by, by Claire. Creepy Claire. Creepy yes. Claire saying, don't you dare take him back, Kate. And now when you think about what we saw in this episode, Kate looking a little shell-shocked on the bed, maybe that's what it was. Maybe she had a Another visit with instructions Possibly. from the mysterious and odd Claire Vision. Uh, Kyle in Wisconsin, do you think Desmond might have hit the same um, window as the airplane?
1: Well, I don't even know that he made it back onto the island I don't yet. I
2: don't necessarily think he's left L.A. because we see Ben on the pier, and I think that they're setting us up for something there. And also, the plane does not hit the pocket until several hours into the flight. And uh, poor Desmond probably can't sail that fast. And uh, at, at, for a minute I thought, oh, there's something I hadn't heard. Maybe it was Kate that beat up Ben But the problem with that is that Kate was leaving the room when Ben made the phone call. So unless Kate snuck out and beat the hell out of Ben and then snuck back into bed with Jack to get up in time for coffee and orange juice, that's probably not the case. But still, good creative thinking. And finally, Jesse saying, um, what if our uh, losties are the ones, and Locke in particular, that caused the purge that happens?
1: I can see that happening at this point just because... You know, the, the way things are happening, you wouldn't necessarily think they're going to happen that way. And I can see the loss, manipulating time
2: right i want to go back to where ben basically disavows responsibility for the purge you know ben says i didn't do it or it wasn't me or something like that he says something like that and i'm wondering if you watch it again if you suddenly hear sort of a second meaning that he's telling our losties i didn't cause the purge you You did did. i thought that's that's kind of cool and um, of course walt was missing there was no mysterious and powerful kid on the airplane true there were a lot of people missing from the airplane that's true Finally, uh, three more calls, Robin, Shanna, and Matt.
11: Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Robin from the Um I was pretty disappointed with uh, 316 for many reasons, but um, the one point I'll make is how uh, needlessly stupid uh, Jack came across by not asking questions. Um, no one asks Miss Hawking why they all need to go back, and if it's so important that they all go back, why doesn't he make more of a fuss about it? Then Kate turns up, and the only conclusion a normal person could make is that Aaron's been kidnapped or stolen from her, and yet he's up happily making orange juice and coffee the next morning, seemingly unbothered. And then he's on the plane asking Kate if she thinks it's weird that Hurley and Saeed are there, yet he doesn't ask either of them why they've got on this plane, and, and he's not at all suspicious that Ben might be involved, even though in the previous episode, uh, Ben was admitting to um, harassing Kate and lying to son. So I just thought they made Jack look really stupid, and that, that bothered me all the way through. It, I thought it undermined his character's journey. Uh, keep up the great work. Bye.
4: Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Shanna calling from Oakland. I just have to say, wow, that was I have to watch it again. It was an amazing episode, and there was just too much going on for me to process it all. Um, But I was really excited that so many people speculated that an all Oceanic 6 episode wouldn't be good, and this was, like, one of the best episodes to date. Like, there was so much going on. I never got bored. It was just amazing. I'm really kind of stuck on the possible theory that Kate, is probably pregnant, just because I feel like with the addition of Ray, this whole, like, shepherd lineage is really going to come into play, and what better way to have a proxy for Claire than to have another pregnant woman on the plane, and not only that, but the woman who is raising her son. So I we will see if that pans out. I had another theory, but... This episode kind of blew that one out of the water. Uh, love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, it's so great to have back-to-back loss and also back-to-back transmission. Have a great day. Bye.
12: Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Matt from Indianapolis, and I just got to say you guys have the best lost podcast, hands down. I think that Aaron is with Clementine, and the reason why I think that is because I think that um, – that Kate would have told Jake where he was or what happened to him if she wasn't so worried about his petty jealousies now my uh, my theory is that um, I think that Ben killed Penny unfortunately as much as that breaks my heart but what do you think about this that's the case and Desmond and Charlie set sail for the island to find Ben to exact to exact some revenge and then what happens is, is that they enter the island on the wrong bearing, and they go back in time. They list the others with Richard Albert, and everybody, but then um, Charlie has to kill his dad to prove that he can be the leader. And so he kills Desmond and becomes Charles Widmore. Oh, 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 wouldn't that be awesome? And then when Ben kills his dad, he circumvents the, the leadership of Charles, and they kick him off the island. Anyway. Love your podcast. Keep it up. And I'll talk to you later. Thanks.
2: Mahalo for those calls, starting with Robin with a critical take on this episode and basically bothered because throughout the episode, Jack is a little dense.
1: Well, duh.
2: Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you have an issue with people not asking the right questions and having opportunities to get answers and not taking them, well, you've basically described the entire conceit of Lost since season one. Yeah. So that's definitely for me. I can see, although, you know, the way that Jack kind of moves through this episode uh, a little out of touch or a little out of whack it does remind me now that he mentions it of the other lost episode starring jack that was not very popular because he spends his time in a similar mental state and that would be everyone's least favorite episode. Stranger
1: in a strange land. Right. And
2: there is no debate. I mean, I like this. I like that we're disagreeing or people are either loving or hating this episode. There was no disagreement on how bad that episode was. I but know. in any case, uh, definitely appreciate your call, Robin. Shanna saying, on the other hand, that she loved it, that there was too much stuff to process. She thought it was great. She has to watch it again. She shares our opinion that, uh, you know, Aaron is probably with Cassidy and that the, the Shepherd lineage is key to the entire show. So yeah, I, I definitely one thing that I forgot entirely when I thought about why Kate might be pregnant and why Kate might be the the stand-in for Claire is, yes, she is also the caretaker of Claire's baby. So that's just that's another right. um, added point that uh, kind of adds fuel to that theory. And finally, Matt from Indianapolis with, uh, well, that's a wacky theory. So what do you think? I mean, let me see if I can summarize it. Baby Charlie and Desmond go back to the island to avenge the death of Penny Baby Charlie grows up to be old enough to have to kill Desmond to prove his leadership because baby Charlie is in fact Charles Widmore. And then Charles Widmore gets overturned by Ben because Ben kills his own dad. (laughs) <laughs> and the silence uh, speaks volumes i suppose but hey uh we definitely want to encourage creative thinking so <laughs> good for the i actually you know I've, I've read a lot of really good theories about the next generation that actually that's going to happen or that they think that's going to happen that there's going to be a Gian, charlie um all of the babies on the show actually coming into play that would be something else but kind of like in- the watchmen Aha, so you never know, you never know. Thanks a lot. So uh, that's it for our calls. Uh, Let's see if we can move to some thoughts on the blog on what happened to Aaron.
1: Connie in Alaska writes, I think Kate gave Aaron to Mrs. Littleton, and she did so as a result of Ben's manipulations. Ben brought Mrs. L to L.A. to make sure that Kate wouldn't find out that she was there with the threat of losing Aaron. Then Ben rammed it home at the marina, repeating at least twice that Aaron didn't belong to her. Kate gave him up out of guilt. Score another point for Mr. Linus. So there's
2: one theory, of course, we have yet to explain why that coincidence happened with Miss Littleton in L.A., and I do agree that we didn't comment on it, but Ben is right Right to basically keep smacking Kate around and say, Stop talking like you're his mom. You're not his mom. You don't have the right to this baby that Miss Littleton does. So a nice touch. But uh, coming from another theory, is Richard from Burnmouth? Burn Bournemouth says, uh, Many people seem to think that Kate left Aaron with Claire's mom. I disagree and tend to think that Kate left Aaron with son's family. In episode 5, we hear son talking to her daughter, Ji Yun, on the phone and telling her that she has found her a new friend. This seemed quite strange to me at the time, but makes more sense now. We know that Kate doesn't trust anybody more than son, so it would make sense. I think Aaron and Ji Yun will grow up together and play a big part toward the end of season 6 when they are all adults. After all, why would Kate say to Jack, Don't ever ask about Aaron if all she did was Leave Aaron with Claire's mom. Why wouldn't she tell just tell just tell Jack that? The only reason was it, to keep it a secret, so it can be a big reveal. And leaving Aaron with Claire's mom would be a reveal. Gion and Aaron together as adults would be so. Someone else with the next generation of Lost Lost two Whoa, um,
1: leaving them with the pakes thats child abuse. I, yeah, I'm not. You know, she says Kate.
2: Does, you know, doesn't, doesn't trust anybody more than uh, son. I'm not sure if that's true, and we certainly aren't getting trustworthy vibes out of. No, son.
1: we're not. April writes on the blog, It's really interesting that so many women commenting here think that Kate left Aaron with Clementine's mom. I think that's because, as moms, our primary goal is to keep our baby safe. Claire's mom is wrapped up with Ben's lawyer, so there is unknown danger there. And son is involved with Widmore, has vengeance on her mind, and was also returning to the island. That's right. Considering the Kate-Sawyer-Jack triangle, Kate's secret promise to Sawyer, and Kate's secret phone calls off the island, it is certain that Kate has been in contact with Clementine's mom. I think there are two possible reasons why Ben was threatening to take Aaron. One might have been just to scare Kate, return to the island, or lose Aaron to me, or maybe Ben wants Aaron because he knows that Aaron must return to the island. So maybe Kate gave the baby to Clementine, thinking that it is the only way to keep him hidden from Ben. She has not seen a tie between Ben and Clementine's mom.
2: So April, they're definitely enumerating the reasons why the other candidates probably don't work Mm -hmm. here. And certainly, you know, Aaron is special somehow, and if Ben wanted her hands on him, um, I think that it's true that there's someone that she might trust with Aaron that... That ben would have no idea about, and finally our last thought about aaron here 's a wild thought. What if Kate made a deal with Widmore to protect Aaron from Ben, and the deal is she's working for him, and that 's why she 's so uptight now
1: well, that would make me uptight
2: I suppose i mean we we've always Kate has been in many situations where you think she may have started playing for the other side. I remember when she spends that time with Ben during the cage matches. Oh, right, right. And you're thinking, okay, so was she was she talked into doing something else or has she t- been turned? So that's another possibility. And I, I forgot about Whitmore. You know, Whitmore is still a player here. Uh, Whitmore definitely has an interest in what's going on on the island and probably does recognize that there's something special about Aaron. So those are some good theories about where young Aaron might be.
1: Bill from Tennessee writes, We know that the others were sent to the temple. This makes perfect sense in one respect. If they knew the temple had been there for as long as it appears, then there wouldn't be the danger that Sawyer and his bunch have faced, and especially the disappearing well that Locke experienced. But that wouldn't protect them from the nosebleeds and subsequent death, unless the temple has some sort of properties or is located in an area that protects the ones inside from the effects of the island moving.
2: So certainly we know that the temple is something important, that a smoke monster is protecting that area, But there's a good logical reason why it would be a sanctuary, because if it's the longest standing shelter on the island, that uh, maybe if you think that there's some limited to how far back the jumps go, that uh, that's one place you won't end up buried by accident. So, yeah, definitely interesting thought. Uh, Jami on the blog writes, my hunch is that Penny is not dead. And dare I say, not because Desmond protected her from Ben, not that he wouldn't, but because Ben is the most misunderstood character on the show. I suspect that his evil coldness is calculated and that far from this, he isn't but uses this ruse effectively. I also suspect that Ben is not acting for his own agenda as much as they give us that impression. In the past, Ben answered to Jacob. He may have fallen out of favor with Jacob, but he has sacrificed himself to this force before, leaving the island by turning the frozen wheel. He tells Locke that he can't return, so the question is, return to what or when? Perhaps he can return to the island, but with certain limitations. So, Jami saying that Ben is not uh, a creepy fellow who's uh, only out for his own good.
1: Well, he is a creepy fellow, but... <laughs> Given the way that people change on this show and characters change, that we find out that Ben is creepy, but he's creepy for a really good reason.
2: I don't know. I mean, I think basically he's picking up on the fact that they're leading us to the the conclusion that Ben is up to no good. I I'm not sure if there's a, if you want to talk about running out of time, running out of runway, running out of uh, train track. I'm not sure if there's not enough time for him to necessarily be redeemed. And I'm I'll, although I have to say I it might be just that I like him as an evil character
1: you <laughs> Nadia writes according to the penguin dictionary of symbols shoes have a funerary significance a dying person is about to take his leave shoes at the bedside show that a person is no longer well enough to walk they are at the sign of death if they symbolize travel it is not toward the other world alone but in every direction without shoes their journey is broken and they wait for heaven to provide them with the means to continue on the next sh- stage of their journey i wonder what is next in john's journey we haven't seen john wear those shoes in earlier episodes, right? Or Christian wearing them.
2: Well, definitely some good thoughts. And uh, shoes aren't, are as I said. There's like a list of fifty or sixty shoe elements on Lost, and uh, they have literary and poetic uh, uh, significance to the shoes that John Locke put, or that uh, Jack puts on John Locke. We I don't think we've seen them before. I think this was their first introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Shepard has been wearing the white sneakers every time we've seen him, including um, if we are to believe that he was the guy in the cabin, you know, right. the mysterious help me guy. Um, <laughs> there was white, there was white sneakers as well. But so we have a new pair of shoes to kind of track where they go so maybe they're the uh, maybe greg nations has to have a database of shoes somewhere uh peter who uh, we mentioned in our last podcast says Locke is the intended jesus figure every episode makes it a certainty in my opinion his suicide note to jack was like jesus pleading with thomas the apostle to believe that clearly makes jack the doubting thomas character in this analogy the writers couldn't have been more obvious in implying this comparison so case closed no argument. Yeah, I think we definitely agreed in the past. And they could, the, it was certainly clear. It was not subtle what they were trying to say.
1: Danny writes on the blog, what was the point of Daniel sending Desmond there? Desmond tells Hawking that your son told me you have to help him. And she basically says, yeah, we're way ahead of you and already working on that. So Desmond basically comes there to bring Penny to be killed. What was the point of that? I
2: I would agree. I kind of, that was sort of a strange exchange. You kind of expected there to be a lot more engagement between Desmond and Mrs. Hawking, considering everything that Desmond had been through because he's recognized her from his ancient past. And that was it. He storms off. I don't, I certainly don't think that the story is over. I think they've left a big gap there. But in terms of how it was presented in this episode, it definitely falls into the unsatisfying category. Yeah, absolutely. Adam in Montana writes, Is it possible the Oceanic 6 or 5 on 316 were pulled back in time to the time period the island skipped to first after it disappeared? We do see Daniel in this time period as our first glimpse onto the island after it disappeared. Meanwhile, I think Frank may have set the plane down in 2007 on our mysterious runway that Sawyer and Kate were working on in Season 3. Frank was never on the island when a flash occurred, so maybe he wouldn't be pulled back through time, and we all know it has been stated before he is one hell of a Island. That would leave a whole group of three sixteeners roaming around in two thousand and seven, and running into Smokey and the others. And I feel like where Ben is, or more specifically where Ben ended up in time, may be the unpredictable result. So Adam's saying that that separation, where Kate's looking around and doesn't see the rest of them, is because they didn't all come down at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Um, I like the um the mention he makes of the runway.
2: Absolutely, I forgot about that little detail when uh, during the cage the, during that uh, awful cage match period. Um, They were, in (laughs) fact, doing um, manual labor to build a runway, giving our friend Frank Lapidus a place to land. So definitely a nice touch. And I think that, you know, if Ben was told he can't go back to the island, maybe this is it. Maybe he doesn't make it or something happens. Clearly, something goes wrong for him.
1: Soko writes on the blog I think people that are hating this type of episode have forgotten about how much Lost was based on faith, fate, magic roles and abilities right along with the science. So recreating the event is a very magical and poetic thing Magic is poetic, not factual. Faith is in believing without seeing. Fate is in your role in events no matter what you choose on your own. Things that touch on fate and magic like Kate's knack for escape Charlie the musician dives down to play a Beach Boys tune on On the keypad The others can't control Walt Desmond winds up on the island And leads to their crash and escape A paralyzed man walks And becomes the great hunter Impotent Jin has a child Frank the pilot shows up For the 316 flight The numbers come up over and over So much more And not believing in something Doesn't make it go away
2: So there you go Kind of pointing out That if uh, you're having trouble With the suspension of disbelief now Where have you been For the last five (laughs) Or the last four seasons I I think that when You know basically someone says to Jack that this is a leap of faith that you have to make I think that's kind of an instruction to us and um, whether or not uh, it'll be a satisfying story we can make that final call but basically this is where they're going to lead us and if we are lost fans we're going to have to make that jump with Jack yes so I think that's a good point to end it Uh, we of course love all of the feedback we get we're setting records every week 150 comments on the blog and it's only Friday we're recording early but still the conversation is going strong please know that we love read, listen to it all, and we, well, basically, we love hearing from you.
1: So, call us on the Lost line at 808-356-0127, drop us an email at lost at hawaiiup.com, or comment on the blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost.
2: And that's it for you all, everybody, which means we're moving in now to the Forward Cabin. This
1: is where we hide production news, rumors, spoilers, sightings, and all kinds of fun stuff. So, if you don't want to know what's coming up on Lost, you might want to skip it ahead.
2: Welcome to The Forward Cabin, where we look forward on Lost. I guess first we'll start with the preview. What did the ABC announcer say was coming up next week on Lost?
1: The announcer says, from death to life. We see John Locke, and a woman asks him, what do you remember? He says, I remember dying. We see Locke lying on a gravel road, waving at an oncoming truck. Whitmore tells him, the island needs you. But Locke asks... What makes you think I'm so special? We see a car accident. Another Lock, car accident. Another car accident. Locke tells Jack he has to help, but Jack says it's over. Ben says, You have no idea how important you are. And we see Locke fixing and hanging himself.
2: Oh, boy. The episode is titled Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham, the one we're very excited about. Yes. And the ABC synopsis is Locke's fateful mission off the island as Jeremy Bentham is revealed. Well, I think that's pretty much all we need to know. And again, this episode was swapped. With um, 316, I would say that we saw 316 as a fairly self-contained module of story. So I guess that's true of Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham. And, uh, well, we can't wait. I mean, I think this was the one we were the most excited about, and we still are. Yes. Absolutely. So as far as what's going on, it's been a pretty busy week here on the island as far as production goes. And the main centerpiece was a big shoot at Camp Erdman on Tuesday and Wednesday. It was a major action sequence we're talking stunts we're talking pyrotechnics we're talking people running and things blowing up Matthew Fox uh, or Jack Evangeline Lilly uh, Jeremy Davis Kate and Daniel in other words were all there Uh, Jack was in a khaki dharma jumpsuit Kate was in a dark blue dharma jumpsuit and Daniel was in gray so I guess they don't just have different symbols (laughs) they have different colors for their outfits here they are in the dharma initiative and this took place at the uh, dharma motor pool kind of that mechanics garage that uh, we mentioned a few episodes back that we've yet to see on the show we have uh, so basically what happened was Jack, Kate, and Faraday are basically in a gun battle with Dharma agents in black, and uh, they're exchanging gunfire, they're running, they run and jump into a blue Dharma jeep, they're ducking battle, uh, ducking bullets, and, and they crash into a Dharma van, and just as they tear away, a large fuel tank explodes. A big explosion, big pyrotechnics, and uh, definitely not... I'm all about the son. stuff blowing yeah. up. <laughs> We're all about that. And I definitely want to thank Chris J, Roxy, uh, Fish Biscuit, even joe joe pinionated for uh, sharing some of the things that they saw it was great to see joe oh, by the she way got, yes yeah, we she, took
1: her out to dinner right
2: uh well we what we all went out to dinner and it was a fantastic time and it was she went the very next day on the cause hummer tours we, we recommend to that. that we have to do it we lived here all, all this time we've never taken the hummer tour um but it was the perfect day for her to be on that tour because of the eight hour tour took her there and she got to watch all the action um and then a late report just today from dave uh, also a Again, I mentioned uh, Fish Biscuit he caught them up at Manoa Falls today, that's Friday, filming up there and uh, virtually he missed all the action they were breaking down but he did see the uh, blue Dharma van being uh, toted away and from what he could tell from the, the location person he talked to they were filming sort of on the lower area of the falls, the Paradise Park area and if you know that facility you do know that facility, it's where uh, the Hydra is right. and uh, the, the cages are and uh, the, the orchid are down there as well so that could be, that'll be a scene or a set that going to see coming up but exciting stuff uh definitely looking forward to everything that's coming up on season five still wait. one of the best seasons ever so that's it for this uh forward cabin and that means that's it for this episode of the transmission remember we're going to be back next week to talk about the next episode of lost
1: The life and death of Jeremy Bentham. So call us when it's over at 808-356-0127. Leave a comment on our blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost or drop us an email at lost at hawaiiup.com.
2: We've mentioned a few times we love our first-time callers. Please don't be shy and speak up. Uh, Just pick one or maybe two of your favorite thoughts. Uh, Write it down, perhaps, and uh, give it a shot. Try to keep it to under a minute. It is very entertaining to hear some folks do seven or eight tries to get their thought right but it also takes a little bit of time so we would appreciate your help in making the best uh you all everybody segment we can remember the transmission is available in both mp3 and enhanced aac formats that's with chapter marks so you can skip around and uh, i guess that's it folks everybody thanks for listening stay lost
1: aloha
10: This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost Podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.